You are listening to episode 10 of the Simple Farmhouse Life podcast. In today's episode, I'm gonna talk about the tools and essentials for a from scratch kitchen. My name is Lisa, mom of six and creator of the blog and YouTube channel, Farmhouse on Boone. Join me as I share with you my love for creating a handmade home from scratch cooking and a little mom and entrepreneur life along the way. First, I just wanna preface this discussion by saying that you can cook from scratch in your home with an oven, a stovetop, knives, maybe some cutting boards. You get the point, very, very few things. You definitely don't have to run out and buy everything on this list or even anything on this list. Almost everything I'm gonna talk about, I have acquired over the last 12 years of marriage and learning what I need and trying things, getting rid of things. This is something that has just been a process over time for me. So if you are newly married or on a low budget, you definitely don't need all of these things to cook from scratch. They're just the things I found that have made my life a little bit easier. Also, there's always thrift shops. I remember earlier in our marriage, picking up some kitchen things from the thrift shop. A lot of times people have good intentions of using something like an instant pot and then it just sits in the box for a couple of years and they will haul it off to Goodwill. So that's an option, checking Facebook Marketplace. I've actually done, in preparation, a few of these searches on Facebook Marketplace and right away found at least three items that I'm gonna mention for a really cheap price. So again, no need to break the bank, but let's talk about some of the items I find helpful in my kitchen. First up is a grain mill. I purchased our grain mill. I have a Nutramill. I would say somewhere around 10 years ago. It is a basic model. Now at the time, we had some friends when we first got married living with us. And she had a, I believe it was called a whisper mill, something like that. But she introduced me to the idea of buying and milling my own whole grains. And I was totally sold on it because you could get a 50 pound bag of organic wheat berries a lot cheaper than you could get several bags of organic flour. Plus, grain rapidly loses its nutrients as it sits, and so being able to mill something right away was something that was really important to me, and I noticed after reading a few books and some research that it was definitely something I wanted to incorporate into our family. Now, at the time, I would be considered extremely frugal, and so spending money on something like a grain mill I had to be very convinced it was a good idea to do it. Whereas I would say now I'm more the type that if I hear about something being a good option, I will likely get on Amazon and buy it right away. So we're talking the 10 years ago Lisa versus the current Lisa. I believe I purchased it online, but it wasn't from Amazon. I don't think people were really doing that at the time. I think I got it from a website called Paula's Bread something like that. And I used to get my grains to mill in it at the local Amish community, which was about a half an hour to an hour away from where we lived. But we'd go out there pretty regularly and get whole wheat and oatmeal and honey and butter. A hesitation might be that this just sounds really, really complicated. Like making your own flour seems like something you wouldn't just do in your regular kitchen. But I, Daniel. 
<laughs> but I promise it really is so easy. There's several different models of grain mills, but you basically just pour the grain into the top of the mill and you turn the little knob and out comes flour out of the bottom. So I think that if you're going to be maintaining your own sourdough starter, baking bread from scratch, making English muffins or any of those type of recipes, it really makes sense to mill your flour at home just to get that added nutritional benefit. If you're just brand new to starting your sourdough starter and you don't really know if you're gonna love it yet, try out just buying some unbleached all-purpose for a while, but if you get really into it and you're constantly making sourdough products from scratch, you're gonna want a grain mill. All right, next up on the list in that same kind of category is a mixer. I bought a Bosch stand mixer. I think it was close to $400. Again, about 10 years ago, I actually was sold on it at a homeschool convention. Luke and I went to a homeschool convention, which now is kind of funny because our daughter was three and our second daughter was one, but we were just, you know, all excited about it, which is funny because now we probably wouldn't even go to a homeschool convention and we're actually homeschooling, but that's in that, you know, I'm really young, trying to figure out everything. I'm gonna research every curriculum phase of our lives. There was a lady there, that had a stand and she had books about making your own bread from scratch. I don't really remember exactly what it was, but she was selling mixers and I learned that I could make several loaves of bread at one time in my Bosch and I was totally sold. I did use that mixer for 10 years and I just recently gave it to my aunt. The reason for that is gonna sound really silly, but the Bosch mixer is the best. It has the highest power motor. It can do the largest capacity at one time for kneading bread, but it had one fatal flaw for me, and that is that it's not pretty. That's so ridiculous, I get it. But every time I wanted to use it, I had to get it out of my pantry because it couldn't sit on my countertops for my blog photos, and let's just be honest, for me personally, I like when things are pretty. I really value the aesthetic of things. I just felt like it totally defeated the purpose if I had to lug it out of the pantry every time. So now I have a KitchenAid and I know that some of you are just shaking your head because it isn't as good of a mixer, but I did buy the one with the highest power motor and the largest bowl so that I can still need a lot of bread but it's gonna stay out, which we've had it now for probably a month and it is really nice to have a mixer sitting out. I'll make whipped cream with it, whipped coconut cream, regular whipped cream. We'll make cookies. Normally before when I had my Bosch, I would just use my hands to make cookies. I would never actually cream the butter and sugar with a mixer because I wasn't gonna get it out for that. I've made mashed potatoes in it. Again, I used to just mash them with a fork because I didn't wanna get my mixer out. So having a mixer sitting on the counter is really nice. If you feel like in your home, you're not really that worried about the aesthetics, get a Bosch and keep it out on your counter. I think that you'll be pleased with a lot of your homemade breads, sourdough tortillas. That's something we've been making a lot of lately. I used to make them less frequently, 
But now that my mixer is sitting out, it's so easy to just pour in my flour, my sourdough starter, oil, water, salt, and have tortillas quickly. Whereas before, I'd just be like, yeah, I don't feel like getting my mixer out and I wouldn't make them. So anyways, a mixer is good if you're going to be making bread products, especially from scratch. Now I will leave links in the show notes to all of the kitchen tools that I'm referencing, including the Bosch and the KitchenAid. You'll have to decide which one's right for you. Another thing that sold me on the KitchenAid, which I haven't tried out yet, so maybe I won't actually like it, but I'm looking forward to using the attachments. I want to make my own homemade pasta with the pasta roller, and so that also kind of sold me on it. Another essential in my kitchen is, you all know it, my Berkey water filter. We've had ours for nine or 10 years, I don't know, a long time. And I just love that, especially when we are on city water at our last house, all of the chlorine and the fluoride was all being filtered out. Now I researched this heavily and I have a blog post where I talk all about why we chose it. You can search on my blog, just go to farmhouseonboon.com, search Berkey, or just search farmhouseonboon Berkey on Google and you'll see my review if you want to look into why we chose it, but it is a kitchen staple that prominently sits displayed right to the right of the sink so that I can easily fill it and everyone in the family has access to it. So the kids go over there, use a the little spigot to get their own water. I don't really have to ever worry about giving my kids water. It's just there and they get it as they please and I never, worry about it. Even at mealtimes, everybody just kind of goes and gets their own water. And it's one less thing for me to think about. And I know they're getting good, healthy water. If you do decide to buy a Berkey, make sure to use my link because I have a bundle sale deal that they gave me. I have that over on my blog. If you search Berkey filter for a deal, or I'll leave it in the show notes. Another essential, I went in depth on this in podcast episode five, that is my cast iron skillets. Now you can go back and listen to episode five for more in depth, but you gotta have cast iron. <laughs> I'm in my kitchen right now staring at my stove and there are four skillets sitting there and I use all four of them all the time. All four burners go in. We are cooking up things in those cast iron skillets and I love them. The cutting boards, knives, that is a given. If you're going to be cutting up onions, garlic, potatoes, peppers, every meal when you're cooking from scratch, you will be chopping. That's the probably most time consuming part of cooking from scratch is chopping up veggies. So a good set of knives. Now I've gotten all of mine from thrift shops. They have really pretty handles, but I looked at them and one of my knives is even a Cutco, which was at a thrift shop. So I have a knife sharpener and I can just sharpen all of my thrift shop knives whenever they are dull, but I've acquired some pretty nice knives for really cheap prices. Another essential for me is my food processor. Now, when you make homemade sauerkraut, you can, of course, chop it up finely, add the salt and pack it into the mason jars, but I find it to be so much faster to use my food processor. I'll usually do five or six heads of cabbage at once, put them all through the shredder attachment on my food processor, and it just makes sauerkraut making really, really quick. So that is something that I do keep in the pantry because I don't use it all the time, but when I do use it, it's really handy. Now I've never been one to use my food processor for slicing up potatoes 
or any other veggies just because to lug it in and out for cutting up something for one meal has never been worth it to me. But when I'm making a large batch of something, anything fermented, it's so worth it. Another essential for me is definitely my Instant Pot. I don't really love the way chicken in the Instant Pot tastes. If we're going to be eating a whole chicken, I prefer to roast it. But when I'm making chicken for white chicken chili or for my sourdough chicken pot pie or chicken salad, any of those recipes, I love to use the Instant Pot. The thing that makes it the most handy is if I've forgotten to lay out meat and we want something with chicken, I can put a frozen chicken in my Instant Pot and have it done in one hour, which is a game changer because, you know, if you forget to thaw it out, plus chicken just takes a long time to thaw. So if you put it in the fridge and it's 24 hours later and it's still a little bit frozen, the Instant Pot is perfect for that. It'll be falling off the bone. It's really easy to pick through. I also love my Instant Pot for bone broth. Now I used to leave a pot simmering on the back of the stove for days at a time, but now I just use my Instant Pot. Especially now that we have a gas stove, it's also a little bit safer because in my last house we had an electric stove top and we would just leave it. We'd go out for the day on Sunday, we'd go over to the park, we'd go shopping, whatever. I always had a pot simmering on the back of the stove, but now with a gas stove, that would be an open flame that we're just leaving at home, which doesn't really seem right. Especially if like a pilot light, I don't even wanna think about what would happen if gas came into the house. So anyways, I love using my Instant Pot now for bone broth. It makes it very fast, it always gels. We can go more into this in a different episode because I have had people tell me they've had issues with gelling. It always gels if you use enough bones and if you run it three times at 120 minutes. That's one of the things I love making in my Instant Pot. Another is yogurt. The Instant Pot is a game changer for yogurt. I used to try to make my own homemade yogurt before I had the Instant Pot. I was wrapping things like a crock pot in towels. I was trying some homemade gadgets where I'd put a light in a drawer. Let me just tell you, if you ever wanna make your homemade yogurt and you were discouraged by the process, get an Instant Pot. It's the easiest thing ever. I have tutorials on my blog for yogurt in the Instant Pot to keep it raw and for conventional yogurt in the Instant Pot. You can check that out at farmhouseonboon.com. But that's the thing I love about it. I also like to make hard boiled eggs in it. They peel really easily. I love making roast in the Instant Pot. I've never had such a tender roast. And since the Instant Pot has the saute function, I also can brown the meat and brown the veggies and then cook it so that it's tender, it's quick, and it still has all the flavor. Half gallon mason jars are a definite essential. I use them for fermenting veggies, for fermenting milk. I always have at least two or three sitting out on my counter, fermenting milk kefir or sauerkraut. They are good to store bone broth. If you want to make some ahead of time and you wanna freeze it, you can do that. They're just good for so many things, definitely an essential. When I'm making my bone broth, even if I'm not freezing it, I strain it off, put it in the half gallon jars, and then put them into the fridge and they're just really good for storage. I also love my immersion blender. These are like 20 bucks on Amazon or Target, Walmart, whatever. They're great for pureeing soups. I actually bought it because for a while I was really excited about homemade soap and then I never actually did it. So I was planning to reserve it for that but then I started using it on some of my pureed soups and I used to actually 
make the soup, transfer it to the blender, and then transfer it back. And obviously that's very inefficient. Now I just keep little immersion blender, stick blender, right in the drawer to the left of my stove so it's always right there and easily accessible. Another essential is of course my blender. I currently have a Ninja. When I originally made my essentials video on YouTube, I spoke highly of the Oster blender and I still like it because what's so cool about it is you can screw mason jars into it, the regular mouth ones, and so you can make like a salad dressing and then just store it right in the vessel that you made it in without less dishes. But I ended up going with the Ninja because of making really thick smoothies and it has the three blades and it just kind of makes it easier. What we use our blender for 99% of the time is kefir smoothies with frozen fruit. So I always have frozen bananas, frozen strawberries, frozen blueberries, and that is what we use to make our kefir smoothies. I keep lots of wooden spoons on hand for all things. They're sitting next to my stove and I can just grab them easily and stir whatever I'm cooking in my cast iron skillets. Love those. A French press and a burr coffee grinder. This is an essential for me. It's probably the most essential essential in our kitchen, but that does not mean that you need one. If you don't drink coffee, obviously don't start, but we are obsessed with coffee, so every morning we do use our burr grinder, which makes beans just at the right level of coarseness, and our French press. We have a double wall stainless steel one, so it stays hot all morning long. It's essential to our lives, so has to make the cut. Another is an ice cream maker. I have a cuisine, cuisine art, cuisine art. I think that's how you say it. It is something that I use on occasion. I would say probably once a month on average. We make it more often in the summer, less often in the winter. I really love making my date sweetened ice cream with coconut milk. It's really creamy and everyone loves it and it doesn't have any additional sugar in it other than dates. It's really good. And that's something that I'll always keep in my kitchen, even though it isn't used that often. Stainless steel bread pans. I have a set of four. I bought them at the same time that I purchased my Bosch mixer and I've been using them ever since. They are really nice for making sourdough bread. They're the only thing I use. Flip top style bottles. I use those for making water kefir. I don't really make it often in the winter time, so I've let my grains die, whereas milk kefir, those grains I've had forever. I don't even know how many years. They just keep multiplying, I just keep making it. But water kefir I do seasonally, so I just rebuy grains whenever I feel like it. But I do keep my flip bottles that are airtight on hand for making homemade soda, as we call it, water kefir soda. Again, all of these references are on the blog, so if you do wanna know how to make water kefir, it is on farmhousehomeboon.com, just search water kefir. For fermenting, I do use mason top fermenting lids. They're just a nice little lid that lets the gases out while fermenting without making them completely airtight and without letting bugs in. I use those a lot. I also use the ball sip and straw lids. Those are perfect because for our drinking glasses, we use wide mouth mason jars. They are my favorite because they're easy to clean. I don't have a dishwasher, so they're perfect to you know get your hand in there and clean, whereas the regular mouth you can't do that with. So I buy all these different wide mouth mason jar accessories to make the mason jars work for several different things. So I have the straw lids, I have stainless steel straws. That's what I use for my kids for smoothie drinking. Even Micah, they all pretty much use that. 
Sometimes I'll give them a sippy, but very rarely I just kind of grab the thing that's nearest to me, which is always the glasses that we use. I also have the fermenting lids. I have fermenting weights that work for my wide mouth jars. It's really nice to have something so universal. The plastic wide mouth mason jar lids, they fit on something as small as the little jars that I use for the kids for smoothies and as large as the sauerkraut jars, the half gallon ones. So I keep a lot of those on hand as well and that way they can just kind of go to each thing. It's really nice to have such a multitasker in our kitchen and lids that interchangeably work for everything. Such a nice handy thing to have. I of course keep rolling pins on hand for tortilla baking. I used to have, let's let's go into a few things that I've bought over the years and ended up getting rid of. I used to have a tortilla press. And so this was just a thing where you put a ball of tortilla dough into it, press it down. It would squeeze it out into tortilla shape, but by golly, I never got used to that thing. I tried and tried because I saw bloggers using it and it made it look so easy but it just did not work out for me. I ended up getting rid of it. I think I paid maybe, I don't know, 60 or $70 for it, and it ended up at the thrift shop. It also had a nonstick coating that I just could not figure out how to get not to stick, which sounds crazy, but it would stick and it would be a mess, and I now just rely on my rolling pins for that. Another thing that I have actually still in the pantry, it needs to go, is a juicer. These, there's been phases in my life, especially on the GAPS diet, which you will hear all about if you listen to episode six of this podcast. I would make, I believe it was called a GAPS smoothie or something along those lines, but you had to make carrot juice for it. And so I had a juicer for that, but I just don't make juice. Now, if you do, that would be a good thing to have. But for me and my family, it just wastes too much of the vegetable to be worth it for me. So whenever you make carrot juice, you have to use several carrots, then you end up with a whole bunch of carrot pulp, which you can give to the chickens, and so you don't have to completely waste it or compost it. But for me, it's just not something I found that stuck in my daily habit. It didn't make me feel that much better to just justify the time cost of doing it. Another thing I have that I don't use, sorry if uh, you're listening, you who bought me this, and I really still want to use this. I do, that's why it's still sitting in the pantry, but I've had it over a year and haven't used it, and that is a soda stream. Now I really, again, I'm still convinced I'm gonna use this someday, which probably is silly, because Luke and I love, love LaCroix and seltzer water of any variety, love it. An ice cold can of seltzer water is just so good. So I thought we'd be making it with our Berkey water, and again, it's just something that I do so many other things in my kitchen I haven't found the time to do. Maybe this summer, I'll do it. <laughs> Another thing that we have stored away in our pantry that I would say in the past five years we've used once, which means we should probably get rid of it, is a vacuum sealer. I don't buy things in enough bulk to really use it. The time we did use it was when we processed our own deer, 
But now I totally find the $85 or whatever the local processor charges us to process it worth it. So I don't use it and I don't really buy a bunch of extra chicken and use a vacuum sealer. It's just a really big thing that I don't feel like getting down very often. Now, if we ever start processing our own meat here, we probably would use it. But then again, we probably wouldn't because if we did raise a hog or raise cattle for beef, we probably would just take it to a processor. So that's something that we have that we have not used. Another thing I really don't use is a spiralizer. I bought one and maybe it's just the one that we bought wasn't the best. I do love the idea of spiralizing our zucchini in the summer and that's what I used mine for originally because we get a ton of zucchini and it's a good way to kind of make the kids think they're getting spaghetti and they really do, they eat it. But the one we had just was very annoying and clunky and so I might try the KitchenAid attachment spiralizer. Let me know on Instagram if you've tried that because I really do like the idea but the one we have just is a no-go. Right, well, I'm sure I'm missing something, but those are obviously the most important because they're the first ones that came to my mind for things that I use all the time in my from scratch kitchen. What would you add to this list? Is there anything that I'm missing that you absolutely love? If there is, send me a DM over on Instagram and maybe I'll do a part two or maybe I'll just learn about something that I should totally be using. I love getting tips like that from you all. Helps me a ton. Thanks as always for listening. If you are struggling with a ton of clutter and things that you don't use in your kitchen, grab my five steps to a organized kitchen mini guide. It's a little ebook I put together that really helps you to get started. You can find that at bit.ly forward slash five steps organized kitchen. I actually need to read it again because there's a few things in our kitchen that we're not using, but I will say that I feel like we have less storage than average and I still have quite a bit of empty space in my cabinets and somehow we're making it all fit and feel very functional and I find that just decluttering helps so much with that. Again, you can find that at bit.ly forward slash the number five steps organized kitchen, all one word. As always, thank you so much for listening and see you in the next episode of the Simple Farmhouse Life podcast.